This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to the Formation Lab podcast live from the 101 ESPN studios at the time. My name's Luke. I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, Tim. Tim, how are you doing? I'm fantastic today, sir. Now this is, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, the only Loki-based podcast on planet Earth, we're the only, you know, company 101 ESPN is the only company that knows that Loki as a character exists. Yep. Uh, we're the only ones producing Loki content. Tim, I know you're excited and you've handed me this rundown. Yes, I have. It appears to have nothing about Loki on it. Well, no, I figured the God of Mischief wouldn't want us talking about him. So you decided to put IndyCar stuff on here? Is that what this well, is? What else was I supposed to do? There was literally nothing else that happened all weekend. Tim, you're embarrassing us in front of our guest. I know. That's my bad. Bobby, I hope you heard none of that. We're joined by Bobby Krug. I uh, apologize for nothing, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, how are you doing? I thought I was lost for a second. I thought we were here for the racing podcast, and then that came out, and I'm like, uh, I think I'm in the wrong studio. <laughs> but you were excited nonetheless, because, I mean, Loki. Oh, I'm always excited. There we go. Not about Loki. He's just excited. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, yeah. He's an excitable guy. A so, lot of dark ways to take that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Bobby, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of what you do, where they can find you at? Oh, man, that's... So, I, I do a lot of things. You do. I can, ver- um, I can verify for that. Where do I start? Well, I guess my current thing that I do now that I'm mostly focused in on is I work for Skip Harbor Racing School. I'm their marketing manager. So if you go on their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, that's all me. But uh, most people know me as the Gateway Carplex guy. have a YouTube channel dedicated to the Gateway Carplex. I've been doing my own racing, uh, karting, Formula Car stuff. Just just started in that, thanks to Skip Barber. So uh, that's about as brief as I can leave that. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the front and back of it is is Bobby obviously works for Skip Barber. And if you you know go to Gateway, uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway, if you go to the cartplex, Bobby is the guy who kicks your butt every single time he's in there and leaves you, you know, four seconds behind, even though, you know, you think you're a good driver. Yeah, he, he dispels you of that notion. <laughs> Very quickly. <laughs> That's what uh, five years of doing nothing but driving rental go-karts will do. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is the most common thing you see newbies do that you're like, ha, <laughs> um, The lean. Like, they'll go into the corners, and they think that, like, if they're going into a left-hand corner, like, turn one at Carplex, mm-hmm. they, like, lean their entire body thinking, like, oh, this is making me faster. <laughs> like, they just, like, they're like a teeter-totter. Like, they're, like, leaning, like, no motion in the cart. Just <laughs> just keep yourself still. That's that's the main thing, for sure. Gotcha. And the leaners will always go a little bit slower, and you're like, oh, yes, well, here's for sure. where I... Do you ever like get out afterward and you're like, do you know what I just did to you? (laughs) I, I, my favorite thing now is I just walk away and hope that they'll like stop me and be like, dude, you're fast. Like that's usually what happens. Like, dude, you're fast. But like right now I just like put the sunglasses on, like just like slow-mo walk away with the smoke. Like, yeah, you just got beat. But like, (laughs) and deep down inside, I'm just like geeking out. Like, oh, that felt so good. Dude, there is something to be said for like, if you go to, you know, your local cart rental place and you kind of know what you're doing, just like demolishing some random walk-ups and you're like, you know, I, I don't have anything against you. It just felt good to like lap you two to three times per race. I don't know what it is about it. It's just... It's, it's an ego trip. It's an ego stroke is what it is. It's it's beautiful. And then you have the ones that I do that to, but then they recognize me from my YouTube. Uh-huh. And then it's like, I'm trying to be like arrogant and then they like bring me back to humble like oh yeah that's me like i that you, you watch my videos like <laughs> and it's just like an immediate 180 yeah but you, you go full you like me you really like me. oh you me 
So, <laughs> so to give you a little bit of uh, of, uh, of credibility to our listeners who have no idea, kind of, uh, you know, of anything that happens in the Midwest, looking at you, our California listeners, um, what is your record at Gateway? I think I know. Like but, a lap time? Well, yeah, lap time. Oof. Um, I'm in the 36s. You're I'm in, in a high 36, which, you know, I typically tell people, like, if you can go out there and run a sub 45 you're decent yeah. but like on a competitive night like i drive the rental car league that we have there on wednesday nights it's 37s and 38s so i don't know how i got the 36 yeah it's one of those times where like the the air's got to be right the cart's got to be right the tires have to be right like there's a lot of things that have to go right and i actually i broke the record and within less than 24 hours somebody else came in and used the same cart similar track conditions and just beat it by like another tenth or something yeah. So for for Tim for perspective, I think my all time best is a thirty eight four. So Bobby's, you know, he's still ahead of me by two seconds. Ouch. <laughs> That's all I have they, to say. They, Welcome to the formation <laughs> lap where the co-hosts are slow. Yeah. Don't way, worry, I wouldn't do any better, Val. It's in, okay. In more ways than one, we're slow. I'm the Dalton Kellett of the. <laughs> <laughs> Faster than most, slower than just about everybody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm the uh, the orangutan of the show, you know, to steal a top gear line. I'm ambitious, but I'm rubbish. <laughs> yeah, no. That's fair. All right, so uh, this weekend, uh, duel in Detroit for IndyCar. We'll hop right into the IndyCar stuff. Um, two IndyCar races, phenomenal races. Honestly, the ending for both of the races was fantastic, which is weird because usually I feel like Detroit uh, can sometimes be a bit of – I would say a nothing burger of a race, but a pedestrian race, right? Like a race where you don't see many roller coasters, but it's just a good race. We got two really, really good races. Cars were very, very racy, and there is a lot to talk about for both of them. There is. Uh, Tim and I's favorite controversy is back, the red flag controversy that we... Well, my favorite controversy and my favorite ongoing storyline. <laughs> yes. Because I, my heart is broken. Your heart is broken, yes. but we're going to get your opinion later. I wonder where the Joker laugh is coming. Oh, oh, okay. It's coming. It's coming. Yes. All right, we'll fill Bobby in on that in, in a bit because we have to tra- take it back around. But yes. uh, race one uh, for for uh, the duel in Detroit, uh, Will Power has the lead with five to go. We'll just start right into the story. All right, Will Power has got the lead, five to go. Romain Grosjean uh, spins it. In, I think it was about turn two, spins it in turn two, and he immediately just kind of, uh, you know, doesn't quite get the car fixed. They drop the red flag, not the yellow, the red. Controversy number one. Race could have ended under yellow. Willpower would have won under yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Controversy number two. Willpower gets into the pit lane, and he goes, hey, we need, you know, we need air on our cars. I need a fan. I need a fan. I need a fan. And... IndyCar won't give that to him until the entirety of the field is in to the pit lane. And when the green flag is dropped again or the yellow flag to release the cars, his ECU has basically fried. His car won't start up. He doesn't get the victory. Instead, uh, Marcus Erickson takes the victory, which, Tim, I know you're excited about. I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. So the the big controversy is the whole entire red flag process. So, Tim, I want to know your take first on if that red flag, if you drop a red flag in that situation, is that the correct move? Because I think we've seen a history of IndyCar trying to finish under green. 
do you want that or do you want to finish under yellow? I want it to finish under green because I want them to go all out. Kind of like with Formula One a couple weeks ago in Baku, I, I, I feel strongly that IndyCar can provide a really great sprint race type finish at the end and everybody just goes balls out. Um, I think also I'm always going to err on the side of caution and mm. driver safety. So if a red flag is even considered, throw it. Don't, you know, don't think twice about it. Yeah, I, I think I land in a similar spot because I, it, to me, IndyCar, IndyCar is a show, right? Mm-hmm. Racing is a spectator sport. You watch the thing. It is a product. And at the end of the day, if they're sitting there, they're trying to go like, hey, we need to make sure that this product is good. Um, then if that's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. Bobby, I'm curious as to your take. Drop a red flag with five to go. I Coming from, like, more of a racer mentality, I'm a media guy, right? Right. Coming from a racer's kind of mentality uh, or from wherever you're coming from, do you respect dropping a red flag at that point? From the racer mentality, I would agree with you guys. You know, we want to see the race finish under green. But if I go to, like, a logistical standpoint – you know, of the past that I've had of doing race directing at Gateway the couple times that I have, there's always the thing of like, if we can have this field go past this incident in pace speed in a safe manner where they're not going to affect the incident scene, let's keep them rolling. But nobody likes the race to finish under yellow. And I think that is – I think that we saw that last year, right? You remember last year the the Indy 500 finished under yellow, and it was a crap storm, right? Well, it was just – it was like uh, – it, it was a – It was a letdown. It, you know, I'm going to say it right here. We said it before. Last year's Indy 500 was a letdown. But, you know, I, we saw that before, and I see people online. I see people say all over the place, you know, hey – this is inconsistent ruling. Last year's Indy 500 wasn't under, you know, you know, got put under caution and ended under caution. But last year's Indy 500, Tim, and if you'll use your, you know, little brain cells that we all have here, if we rub our three collective brain cells here. I have those? No, not not, okay. not since the incident. Okay. But if you remember back, <laughs> if you remember back to last year, though, you, you look at uh, the Indy 500, it was three laps to go. It's an oval track. You're not grouping the field, pinning them, getting them back out, and letting them go green with three laps to go. I was going to say, with three laps to go, that's, you get, it's one lap of racing, maybe. Maybe. And, you know, at that point, that you may as well. Yeah. But with five laps to go on a street course, that's a different matter entirely. Different matter entirely. Also, last year's Indy 500 had, you know, extensive fence repairs, which we'll get into those fence repairs later, because that enters into this race one. So that's okay. So we're all on the same page, basically. Yeah, you let it fly. I don't know why everybody seems up in arms about finishing the race under green. I don't know. I'm going to make a societal commentary and say everybody likes to be outraged about something. Personally, I see nothing wrong. I think I really like the way IndyCar runs everything. And uh, I. I don't know what everybody's on about. It's a t- like this is a product. Racing yeah. is a product if you at this level. And it's, you know, it is probably one of the purest motorsports out there in terms of the pure competition and what everybody gets and, you know, how everybody goes about their running their teams. Um, you know, it's not like it's not like they're weighing on the scales like the NBA. Right. Like, come on, guys. 
you know, this isn't this isn't like WWE stuff. It's we want them to compete. We want to put on a good show, and that's what they did. You know, yeah, was it unfortunate? You know, for uh, Will Power, yeah, absolutely, he'll feel real screwed. Um, and you could make an argument that he was. You know, maybe we can tweak the you know the pit lane rules. Maybe you can get the fan in, fans in once you pulled in. Um, but I think that's all the modification I would make. So we're gonna go. To, we're gonna go get real angry right now because I have the willpower clip from after. <laughs> after. Oh boy, did, Tim, did you did you catch this? Because it was it didn't. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. it on Twitter. He was livid, <laughs> yeah, it, seething. All I right, think. let's yeah, snarling. Let, let's get angry, everybody. Oh, I'm mad, I'm mad at IndyCar because I'm the first car in, and they wait for the last car to come to get a fan on that car, and it roasts the ECU, and just going red flag for starters, like. <laughs> The guys up there in race control never listen to any drivers. They never listen. They don't care. We've given them so many good suggestions, and they don't care. And it's just, I worked my ass off today to, to have this happen. Like, I'm screaming on the radio, we need a fan. Get a fan. And it wasn't for you. It was for the car. Yeah, because ECU always overheats. They wait for everyone. These guys have still got air, air coming in their car. Like you work your ass off in this sport. So much money goes into it, and it's just dumb decisions like that. Like, oh, man, if it's not a yellow they throw, it's some stupid idea like this, a red flag. So, uh, yeah, he gets the same luck too, man. <laughs> that he gets the same luck too at the end there is to Alex Rossi, who comes up and says, hey, I'm sorry. Uh, so this is, this is Will Power's Joker laugh moment, right? This is, this is just about there. Uh, yeah. Uh, it could be his Joker laugh moment. I, I don't... Hold on. We have to explain to our new listeners so, and as well as Bobby what a Joker laugh moment is. So last year or two years ago? Last year. Last year. It was year last year and... Um, oh, Alexander Rossi? Alexander yeah. Rossi <laughs> with the pit lane interview and he's like, ha, 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 ha. It's when you start to lose your mind and you sound like the villain, the Joker. Um, and people die after that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he that that could... I think he's close. He's not quite there. He needs to be pushed over the edge. So if we have like a joke, madness is like gra- gravity. Right. He needs another another, another big like shove. Push yeah. over the ledge. Yeah. So he's like, I'd say an eight out of ten on their joke Uh, eighty yeah, percent. It's seventy, eighty percent. Seventy, eighty yeah. percent. Yeah. He's yeah. he's mad enough to beat somebody up. I wouldn't want to be in race control right now. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. It, it's always willpower with race control. Do you remember back uh, two thousand eleven? You might not, because this was your first. That was your first Formula One race. Was two thousand eleven. Uh, twenty ten was my first. Twenty twenty eleven was when I first started watching religiously. Right. Yeah. So two thousand eleven willpower at New Hampshire. Uh, they they throw a green flag in a really greasy kind of misty condition he immediately wrecks and it messes his points up and he's got this there's a great video on youtube where he he runs over like through the pit lane looks directly up at race control it's caught on national camera just double birds (laughs) at race control it's always willpower in race control man well you know i get it you know in the moment i mean we're we're asking these guys to be top athletes to be competitive in the moment and sometimes that comes with consequences it, like cussing people out like you know going full willpower with the double birds or yuki sonoda cussing out the pit yeah. bull you it, know anything it's something it's something and bobby you can attest to this too i find like when i even a rental cart race you know you get inside you know you get running at a pace where, you know, you kind of do realize, like, okay, everything's a little on edge here, right, blah, blah, blah. 
you kind of get into a point where it's like, dude, this is just pure emotion. I find myself cussing people out in my helmet that I are my best friends. And I'm like, you get over. You got to notice. Why aren't you noticing me? I'm running. Right? Like, that's the exact same thing. Well, and that's like, that's what the first thing that came to my mind was it's just heat of the moment. And he's, you know, saying like, oh, I'm the hardest working. Like, what do you think about everyone else that's racing? Like, yeah. everyone's got the same goal. Everyone's also working. And, you know, he's with Team Penske obviously a solid team what about those underfunded teams mm-hmm. like yeah. Grosjean's done really well with Rick Ware equipment so he's got to give that extra oomph to be able to get the same results yeah he's got to right. bring more to the table but I mean yeah I mean I've had the I've had those fair days of you know and that's the other thing too about Carplex is like everyone's best friends with each other and it's the same thing with IndyCar paddock there's a lot of people that are friends mm-hmm. with each other and it's the same it's the same kind of thing. But once you get under the helmet, once you get in the heat of the moment, you can't turn that off. It's an inherently emotional thing to be on the track. Your blood pressure has to come down. You got to cool down afterward for yeah. sure. Did you guys, did either, did either of you hear the Roman Grosjean uh, interview that they did for everyone beyond the grid to catch up with him this year? I did not hear that. It's, it's online, like downloaded to listen list. It's really, really good. And he talks about that, uh, how in the paddock and how in the trailer park, because uh-huh. they all have like buses and stuff yep. they're all cool as can be he's mm-hmm. like i've talked to he's like i feel really close with like colton herta he told me how to you know master a, a specific corner i didn't even he just told me he's like f1 you would never have that no one tells you anything he goes i love it here in america yeah yeah so but it it is one of those things though that you i hear will powers you know stress level is rising you can kind of hear the the Joker come through there. He's not quite there, but look, he's on Pinsky. He hasn't had quite the Pinsky level performance that Pinsky enjoys or expects. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's on edge. He knows that, you know, he had a win coming. Pinsky's first win of the season, by the way, it would have been at that point. And I just, I feel for him, but I don't agree with him. Because he can, so his his main complaint, and this is another big talking point, is he is first one into the pits under red flag, right? He says, get me a fan, because at the time, I thought watching that he's burning up, right? It's like 95 with 75% humidity in Detroit at this point. It is miserable. Mis- miserable. <laughs> right. And... I thought it was for him. I legitimately thought we were going to watch a driver have a heat stroke. Like, honest to God. He says, hey, you know, that's actually my ECU is going to fry, right? That's what he wants. And IndyCar says, no, you don't get an ECU until everybody is under in the pits under red flag conditions. And then we allow everybody to do that under red flag, right? His issue is, well, I'm the first one in the pit. So I then sit in the pit for those extra time. And, you know, that roasted mine. It's an inherent disadvantage. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know, but, I mean, wh- what is the big deal about, you know, maybe putting a fan on the, you know, you know on the engine inlet? That's, Would it be the end of the world? Uh, We're doing a red flag anyway. I mean, the F1 guys are all out there. Uh, well, that's a whole nother. We've had this right. talk about <laughs> F1. Have this, we have had this talk, but I'm just saying, like, you know, uh, you could examine that. To to me, to me, and, Bobby, maybe you can interpret this differently, It if you agree or disagree um to me a red flag is you know hey we're all under the race is paused right there is no changes to be done 
hard stop. We're basically impounding the cars. And actually, IndyCar's quote uh, was it was a quasi-impound situation, and cars can't be touched until everybody can. And that's the way to most do it equitably to me is, you know, hey, it, this is a quasi-impound. This is a red flag. Everything's paused. That uh, that means you can't get an advantage by getting the, you know, air on the ECU before this guy does because he's out on the track. I don't know. It makes 100%, you know, it's correct to me, but I would almost wonder what they would, I don't know, how do you change the rules to that? It's the same thing, like, going back to, like, when do you determine to throw a red flag? Like, right. what's the hard line on that? It's difficult for every situation. And it's hard to make a hard line on it. You know, yeah, it, it, everything is so subjective. Well, because I'm, I'm thinking, too, on that, where's the hard line on it? Because if I'm in last place and Will Power, you know, gets fans on him the second he pulls in, his car, you know, might be cooled, might have inherent advantages because they've cooled, you know, not just the ECU, but other parts of the car that need to be cooled. That could give him an advantage later. When I pulled in, you know, 10 seconds later, that could affect the race as well, right? To me, it's the most fair line to write. Like, I just, I can't see to where it's that big of an issue. And further, too, um, I think, too, part of racing is getting their in one piece, right? You have to finish the race to win the race. Three other cars pulled in right behind them. Uh, those three fired up real fine. They're fine. They're good. You should have found sure. a way to keep your car a little bit cooler coming into the pits. Yeah. yeah. Well, you that's the thing. That. If they were under yellow, right? Yeah. And he's getting airflow into the... I mean, he's got clear air. You know, he's behind the pace car. Yeah. I just don't... You didn't have to be in the pits that quickly. Right. You can slow down behind a pace car. Exactly. There's. I think there was some level of elimination of the problem as a driver than him just, you know, coming to the pits. And unless he was that hardwired of being in the lead and in race mode that he didn't turn himself off in time. I just... And I, it is willpower, so that's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. <laughs> he doesn't shut down for a while. <laughs> no, no, he does not. He offered to he he had a comment on the uh, Superstar Racing Experience, the SRX, which is like the International Racing Champion reboot that was on CBS on Saturday night. wasn't too bad for the record. We'll, we might talk about that later, but uh, on a later episode, not later on this episode. <laughs> we have too much to dissect. But uh, willpower, they're like, Are "You gonna watch SRX tonight?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah. What do you hope to see?" Fights. <laughs> I mean, that's about as Australian as it gets. <laughs> that's your typical Aussie answer. That that really is. Um, so we're gonna move from one international racer. All right, Marcus. Or we're gonna move from willpower. Marcus Erickson takes the win. All right, Marcus Erickson, uh, your seventh winner in seven races, is his first time winning. You're the fourth to do that this season. Get the first time win. Tim, as a seasoned F1 guy, not yeah. that I'm not a seasoned F1 fan, but as a more seasoned F1 fan, what did it mean to you to watch Marcus Erickson finally get the win? That was awesome for him. You know, I mean, floundering at the back of F1 forever, trying to help Sauber with the money that he brings in from Husky Chocolate and from all his other sponsors. You know, finally seeing him see some results for, you know, as hard as he's worked across, you know, different disciplines, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I'm thrilled for him. I think he said it was the first time he'd won in 10 years. He'd won, like, at any any level of anything. Think about the stress and the anticipation and the expectations that were relieved in that moment oh and, and and fell into the fountain. A decade worth. For, for sure. And I wanted to actually ask you about that because obviously, like, you, when you go into a race or, you know, you're in any kind of competition, you sit there and you go, you know, 
I have to have a mentality that I'm going to win or I'm going to do good. And to not have that deliver for a decade, it's got to mess with your mind, doesn't it, it? It's also got that element of like Sergio Perez with, uh, you know, um, Force India yeah. having to bring in so much sponsorship money to keep Sauber going and you're always getting lapped. Like what does that do to to the you a racer's head. You're just keeping this guy plugged in, and you're waiting for the day to unplug him. And as a racer, you're doing everything you can to prove that you belong and that mm. they're making the right decision. Yeah, I, I can't—the the mental stress, and it's something we'll—we'll we'll do a Valtteri Botas episode at some point. We have to because this is— That's a, exactly what's going on with him. It's exactly what's going yeah. on with him, right? Like, you're, you're at a young age, you know, if you show aptitude to get to a level like Formula One or IndyCar, you're told— and you have the expectation you're the best or thereabouts on any grid that you know you put up you put up with right there's a lot of talent coming through the pipeline and if you don't perform that's with anything indycar right. nascar formula the the new batch in indycar holy cow yeah, right yeah so they are lo- so fast a lot of a lot of talent coming through and if you don't perform there's pressure put on you right yeah, yeah i mean i'm thinking about you know relating that to uh, we've got a lot of great drivers from the St. Louis area that are doing the road indie stuff. Mm-hmm. USF 2000, Evan Stommer, Spike Kolbecker, Grant Palmer, all these guys that they've they've been given this opportunity, and th- the big media pull of it is we want a St. Louis born driver to make it to the Indy 500. Uh-huh. So thinking about okay, you've already got the seat in IndyCar, we want you to win a race. That's one thing, but then to think about the pressure of being in USF 2000 and not winning a race and you're having your whole entire community trying to put this thing of like we want you to win the Indy 500 yeah. like oof. there's there's externalities that it, you don't even realize that mess with your mind and it's not just like pressure on your shoulders it's also like a weird vertigo right oh my god yeah like <laughs> you think you think about all the people that are lifting mm-hmm. you up and trying to put you there and i for a decade I'm thrilled for Marcus Erickson. You're right. I can't believe what the pressure off his back was, how happy he must have been. And, and that's the thing, too, is we think, you know, we think Spike Kohlbecker, for example, right? St. Louis, so you feel the pressure of St. Louis. Marcus Erickson is from— Felt the pressure of Sweden. Of Sweden, <laughs> a nation, right? I, Bobby, you and I, you know, we're we're St. Louisans, you know. We, well, we're all three St. Louisans. I don't know why I discluded you, Tim. Yeah, thanks, bud. <laughs> Appreciate it. Love you, too. We'll we'll solve this one Jesus. after Mike. Jesus Christ. All right. Anyway, Marcus Erickson, <laughs> though, tell like. a therapist about this. <laughs> you were supposed to pay attention to my feelings. You know what? You know what? He's going to hear about this. Richard's going to hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> Richard? Apparently, he just named him Richard. <laughs> but, That's but how like, these things go on this show. We just go get carried away. It's beautiful. Last time I got too carried away, and I've got us a boat <laughs> that we blew up in the Monaco Harbor. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, you feel the pressure of, like, your local community. To feel the pressure of a nation and to get that. It was so cool because, you know, I'm sitting in on the press conference. I'm doing the Zoom meeting for the press conference. And Marcus Erickson's, like, eyes lit up because there's obviously there's local people from all over the globe. Right to Fernando Alonso, by the way, sitting in on the uh, on the first race pr- post race press conference. <laughs> Read into that what you will. Anyway, but uh, Marcus Eriksson, he gets asked a question in Swedish, and his eyes perk up because you can tell he's like, "Oh, this is my hometown thing." Like it's it's that supreme payoff to kind of you got to witness happen, just wash it off in the fountain. It was it was a really awesome uh, awesome moment to see. Yeah. 
Definitely. Uh, that was an awesome moment. It did have some other lows, though, uh, with some crashy stuff. Yeah. And uh, some a continuation of the Joker laugh, because <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm talking about. So... Uh, do you want to dive into that one? Yeah, so we'll talk, uh, we'll start with uh, Felix Rosenquist. Yeah, okay. so Felix Rosenquist. he's okay. Yeah. First and foremost, before we get into this story, he's okay. He's okay. Uh, I was kind of on top of this. I was, uh, I was, you know, watching uh, Twitter. I was watching my, like, uh, I get the media emails from uh, from Arrow McLaren SP. So, like, the whole time I was like, refresh, refresh. Is he okay? Is he okay? Is he okay? Um, so he is okay. And the good news is he wasn't even taken directly to the hospital. He was taken directly to the, the medical center on the track, which is a sign that they're like, this isn't too, they weren't too, yeah, they weren't yeah, they're too not concerned. too worried. Right. Um, so on lap 25, uh, he's going through turn six. He, well, he's actually going through turn five, then six. Goes through five. His throttle gets stuck on right as he enters turn six, and he just. I mean, he accelerated very, very hard and straight into the wall. I reckon, I think the number was something around 90 miles per hour. He hit the wall at and decelerated very quickly. Uh, there was a concrete, so the wall. Did they say how many Gs he pulled? I, I haven't like seen out, that wall. the number of Gs, but I, I can't imagine. Because he, he went from 90 to zero in less than a tenth. I mean, it was immediate he had so the wall was a bunch of tires and then a concrete barrier he hit the tires with enough force to kind of get up over them and then the concrete barrier which is not just one that you see placed in like a road those concrete barriers they are staked into the ground and they're chained to the other ones with steel rebar he knocked that out of place and it tipped over causing an hour and a half red flag um but yeah you i mean that was a very scary moment um, but I mean, again, we do this. How many times a year do we do this? The the indie cars are so ridiculously sta- safe. You know, we all tip our caps to it. That could have been a, a a very serious incident. He could have lost some limbs if that were fifteen, twenty years ago. Goes back to Delara being awesome. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> so so hashtag shout out Delara. Yeah. Holy cow! Shout out well to Delara. Done. Yeah. So I I. Who who was it last year that went uh, perpendicular into the wall? Perpendicular into the wall. It was in at the pit lane. The pit lane wall. Remember that? It was an it was oh. an old track. Oh, was it? It wasn't Iowa, was it? I'm thinking of the one that was Iowa. That uh... no, it was a uh, it was a night race. He went perpendicular and hit the wall in the side. It was a side impact. Yeah, I remember that. And oh, who was I just that? remember thinking I don't know, but he uh, got out and walked away. Right. Yeah. And I don't I'm think like, it was Iowa. I don't think it was Gateway. It no. was neither of those. No, but I just thought. Oh, Holy cat. Think about how much structure they build into those cars. Yeah. Like, that is just genius design. Well done, Delara. It, it, it is. I think uh, one of the takeaways, too, was, um, you know, we saw that soccer player whose name escapes me collapse on the field at the Euros. Or I didn't see it live. I heard about it. Uh, IndyCar made uh, the broadcast team at NBC did well. Um, so if you don't know or you don't watch IndyCar, one of the sides that they tell drivers to do is if you are okay. That does okay does not mean mean uninjured in this situation. Mm-hmm. It just means I'm conscious, I can talk to safety crew, and also I feel comfortable relaying this message to broadcasters and fans. If you're okay, quote unquote, put your visor or your helmet up. IndyCar does not show a head-on shot or a, a you know face cam of Felix Rosenquist until they verify. 
oh, you can see that his his, his you can see his visor is up. And I wanted to. I thought that was a good move too because that was the, it was the five hundred. It was Spencer Pickett. Oh, it's Spencer Pickett. Oh, That's who yeah. you were thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like. I can't believe I forgot that was the <laughs> 500. It was a, that's just such an unnatural race to have in August. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, it was, it, yeah. really seriously. Yeah, but it's one of those things too. You put like I was saying though, you put your visor up as a signal, and I think it was a good broadcast decision. I didn't realize that that was a rule until I had to research it afterwards because <laughs> I was I looked back at the replay. I wasn't watching the race live. I looked back at the replay and I saw that, and I'm like. What are you guys doing? Like, why would you cut to the in-car camera after that horrific accident? <laughs> yes. And the visor's up, and, it, like, I was looking into his eyes, and, like, you could tell that he was still trying to gather himself. Yeah. But he was okay. And, like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why, I don't want to be looking at this cockpit when this man dies. Like, <laughs> And then I went back, and I, and I researched it, and, yeah, but... Another thing too is like all of I a would, sudden the race turns into a snuff Yeah, film. like, yeah. whoa. Right. Yeah. Um, but I want to also realize or figure out why... You know, obviously, when something like this happens, they take it back to research and development and try to figure out and look at the data mm-hmm. of how that throttle got stuck. And I've got a good idea myself. Okay. I, I want to hear your idea because the official Aero McLaren SP press release says it was a one time, not repeatable malfunction that was neither the fault of Rosenquist or the Chevy power unit. And that's what it says. That's interesting. So what? I've got a colleague of mine okay. that used to race GT cars okay. with a similar kind of sequential gearbox, and he had a, a same situation happen. And I find it interesting that his situation happened on a downshift going into a corner mm-hmm. where the car got confused with the blip to try to match the RPMs to the downshift, and it just stuck the throttle. And I find it very interesting that in this same situation, it was when he was going in the corner downshift because if you look at the little leds on the screen that you know the rpm indicators yeah he downshifts and it's full blue like full full speed so i'm wondering if there was something that happened there could have been like an ecu problem with, or a transmission like a sensor problem. like with the with the blip that they have that yeah. matches the rpms that it it didn't read it properly and just mm-hmm. stuck it i wonder i wonder too um was your colleague was this uh a warm day do you know like when about like I honestly was, i couldn't tell you okay because i because one of the talks we had was about you know obviously ecu's failing uh due to the temperatures will power had maybe it's hot maybe it's stressful i don't maybe it can't compensate for the blip it's got to be something electric yeah and that that would make so much sense too yeah yeah well and you know like we said that the stress of the situation of for that i don't know enough about computers but i do know when computers hot no good thing happen right <laughs> right that's when <laughs> yeah. but it's also you know interesting that the the ecu would have that much control over the throttle pedal itself yeah, yeah. You just, need, that thing needs to be rated 10 times hotter than those cars will ever get right they and need to be if if, if safety is our primary consideration that's what we need to be pushing for yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the good news is is it's that also, you know that's also interesting because I also wonder how much of it was Rosenquist's uh, style of driving that probably played into it. It probably couldn't read some of it as he went into the corner as well. But I would put my money on an ECU failure of some sort. Yeah. But you know, I I, I do wonder about the driving style because he is fast. Yeah. Really, really fast. And part of that is you do so different stuff with the accelerator and the brake pedal through corners. Yeah. I I uh, the good news is that Aero McLaren SP seems to know what the issue is, even if they're playing it tight to the vest, which I get, you know. IndyCar probably knows. I'm sure Meyer Shank Racing 
knows because word gets around the paddock fast that, hey, this can happen. But if they know, and IndyCar knows, IndyCar has a good track record of, you know, getting getting them to that, you know, getting that engineer to – I cannot talk today, guys. I swear to God. Amen. It's all good. Dude, it's, all, it's Monday. It is, it, it is a Monday kind of vibe, all it's, right? For me, it's Murphy's Law Monday. Everything that can has <laughs> gone wrong. So I'm here in one piece. You guys are here in one piece. We're good. <laughs> speaking speaking of Murphy's Law, all right, before we should transition – Should we call it Rossi's Law? <laughs> <laughs> before we transition into race two, uh, I, told, I hinted last week, uh, you know, I went out to do a race in Houston, and that went – very terribly, right? It was in Houston for 20 hours, literally 20 hours. Didn't touch a microphone. Uh, hotel fires. We had flights canceled. Rains. Eight plus inches of rain. His we- Snapchat story was the funniest. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. Thing. I was just like, how much can, how much more can go wrong for this kid? Dude, I woke and up. And it was just like, okay, update. The, the thing I was about to do, I can't do anymore. <laughs> the flights are all canceled. I'm stuck. I have an hour and a half layover in Hartsfield Jackson Airport in Atlanta. The busiest airport in the world uh, suddenly became, thanks to delays and bad flights and weather, became a 20-minute <laughs> layover, which then uh, became an hour and a half extra delay. It was, it was a, so, you know, speaking of Murphy's Law Monday, all right, makeup events this weekend. We're going to try and get the race in. Forecast for Houston comes in. Oh, looks like we might have something building up in the Gulf. Probably a sixty to seventy percent or a fifty to sixty percent chance Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, fifty to sixty is the worst thing because if you say we're calling it off and it's nice, you're gonna get your butt chewed apart. Mm-hmm. If you <laughs> if you if you say no, nah, I think we can get it in and it's rainy, you're getting your butt chewed apart. You're, it, you can't look at the forecast. You no. just got to send it. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. if we show up and it's raining, then, okay, well, sorry. Well, we, we said that. We said that. But, you know, there were teams that, you know, flew their 20-plus employees <laughs> that down. That gets very expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to, to Houston Raceway Park. Um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, Murphy's Law Monday. I don't know if I'm traveling this weekend. Who knows? Um, it's, it's all a solid maybe. <laughs> it's a solid, solid. <laughs> life is just a maybe. Uh, um, life, but, yeah. Look, Moving on to race two. You want to talk about race two? Uh, no, I'd like to talk about Alexander Rossi and how his curse is continuing. Oh, God, I was trying to move past that. I know man. you were. Just, oh, goodness. Because I don't know when the Joker laugh is coming, Good, but it's coming. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna crack up. It, in it the is. Pit. Okay, so so race one, he he qualifies P two, right? And he comes in on lap five because the blacks are quicker than the reds in this situation in terms of the tires, right? The reds are not a race tire. The blacks are. You have to run a minimum of two laps. So Alex Rossi and several other of the teams in the lead, by the way, uh, several of our good paced teams come in and they're like, get those black tires on them. We'll run the whole, you know, we'll run boom, boom, boom on them, right? Um, he gets around uh, Award. He shuffles in and puts a car or two between him and Pado Award, meaning he's in true P1 with lap traffic between him and true P2, right? And it's like, yes, yes. Felix Rosenqvist's incident happens. What happens, Tim, when you've taken a green flag pit stop and, <laughs> and there's a red flag, which allows everybody to change? Yeah. Oh, nothing oh, good. Oh, let's 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 add to another one. That uh, was an hour and twenty hour and thirty minute red flag. So your your tires are heat cycled. So Alex Rossi doesn't even he has to take another pit stop anyway. Yep. Yep, he he got boned by the by the circumstances. 
but it's like it's something it's always got to do with the pit the pit strategy and it i there's nothing they could have strategized to see that coming no so you know that was just an unfortunate run of luck although it makes complete sense with alex rossi like i feel so bad I, so one of the things too is you think about colton herda his andretti teaming mm-hmm. right and his colton herda's strategist uh is his dad, Brian Herda, right? So Brian Herda is the strategist who won Alexander Rossi that 2016 Indy 500, right? Yeah, and yeah, and then things ever since then, though, have just kind of gone poorly. They have. So let's think about, we'll take Colton Herda out of the equation because Brian Herda is a great strategist, right? I was going to say, I... I, I I see where you're going with it, yeah. and I see where people so, online on Reddit so, have gone with it. They're so, like, oh, conspiracy theory. So so Alexander Rossi has been, ow. I mean, he's been ouchy territory for about a year and a half, two years now, okay? Ryan Hunter Ray is is not doing too hot right now. He might be at the end of his contract. James Hinchcliffe hasn't had a top 10, right? <laughs> Marco Andretti. Only did one race this year. He's in semi-retirement. We're not going to address him, but, I mean, he hasn't been too hot in a while. Besides his pole position last year. Where he immediately, he immediately where he got, got mugged into quarter one. Are you kidding me? Instantly mugged. Well, they you're, they, yeah, took, it, they took him into a back alley. They took him into gasoline alley. Said, give me your lunch money. <laughs> well, no, it's like, go back where you belong. And he went right, right to the back, to right the back. where he is used to it. The point I'm trying to get here, though, is that Ryan Hunter Ray, Alex Rossi, James Hinchcliffe, these are drivers that we know have talent, right? And they have had the worst string of luck. The one driver who's standing out for Andretti has Brian Herdo, one of the best strategists in the game, calling his shots. I just, I wonder where, like, every, like, you have to look at your staff if you're a team Andretti and go, all right, look, everybody who is involved in pits, in strategizing. You're all fired. You're fired. <laughs> half of you are fired. We're shuffling the other half. Nobody is going to have the same job that they had coming into work this morning, tonight. Like that's something's wrong. Like because right, three out of four drivers. Like you can't and, and just and years for Rossi. Years, years. And again, it's not like we've seen him be slow. Right. When he, when he on his days, super fast. When, but I think I also think that that Alex Rossi deserves his own episode as well, just to go through. Like this is a lot to unpack because first and foremost, yeah, it's messed up. At some point, there have to be you know, calls made, and I don't know why they haven't been made over the last few years. At at another point, what does that do to a guy's head? Like, oh, the confidence level is just, like, you got to be, like, double-thinking, triple-thinking things. Yeah. Like, losing confidence. Like, it's, that'd just be so bad. I, but maybe, maybe it's just, you know, Napa is not giving them the sponsorship money. Maybe it's going to Hendrick, and that's why they're doing so well. That's probably <laughs> what's actually going on. There you go. So- no what? more Napa know-how for uh, Rossi. Well, he's got he's he's running that pink car. Um, what is what is the pink company? I forget what the pink company is. I, this is terrible of me. He's ru- Pepto Bismol. Yeah, he's running the Pepto Bismol car. Yeah, dude. Sorry, dude. That's I don't think I've ever seen Rossi have a good run in the black and pink car. I'm gonna be real with you. I haven't. I have never seen him have a good run. I those, those colors work for Cash Nevis. Just saying. And oh, I'm it's just, not wrong. I also am, I can't. I cannot stress enough. I can never pick him out of. The, the grid when he's in the uh, black and pink car. No, but ever. because the Napa, the Napa blue and yellow it's is so iconic. iconic. It's yeah. easy to pick out. Yeah, Ugh. it's just like, that's Alexander Rossi. And then I think, who's that? 
Is that Elio Krasner Neves again? Is, is he back? Is that Jack okay. Harvey? Because Jack Harvey has the exact same yeah. <laughs> car. It's like I thought it, Castro Neves only did the 500. Huh. Yeah, huh, huh. Uh, Elio Castro Neves, by the way, if you watch the Superstar Racing Experience on CBS this fall. No, uh, but uh, it's, it's a summer. Look for the fist fights. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Elio Castro Neves finished uh, P5 among the uh, among the short track, by the way. Mm-hmm. Elio Castro Neves would be an interesting, I think, I think we said this in our Indy 500 thing, I think Elio's going to end up getting another another seat somewhere agreed so uh one other i wanted to talk about was roman grosjean in race one uh good enough for a p3 he just looked like the race trim wasn't there i i didn't see it lap 30 i didn't see the pace right say the rapid race pace that you would come to expect from him yeah also i i think there is something to be said because he had a bad weekend i mean i was gonna say the the race two is where we need to talk about him well and don't forget race one he caused the final red with the spin you're an in, you're a Formula One driver. There yep. is a certain kind of track that Formula One visits almost exclusively. Mm. Even their street tur- stir- circuits are smooth mm. as glass. Yep. Right. Um, they're v- spacious runoff. Right. For the most part. Are with you the exception making of- a joke about? Paul Ricard that's coming up because I'm, I'm not, not happy making about a it. joke about Paul Ricard. Paul Ricard is a joke enough as it is. All Hashtag right. Bring back Magnicor. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it, I just think th- I I don't think he is adequately prepared. There's no way in a simulator you can put your body through the feeling of Detroit where you're like shaking your brain around. I was gonna say yeah, you need to go dental work after racing in Detroit. Yeah, because it's just gonna rattle the teeth out of your head. I don't know what he's just so funny. Like I've just I've I've actually like I've I don't know much about him okay. to be honest, but just following him like the past twenty four hours on social media, like is he so first off is he driving his own RV? Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, okay, yes. and second off, he made a trip to McDonald's. Like that was his his lunch today. Yes, yeah. he did. Like just the like his his demeanor and everything. Like you know, what makes that more funny. He and his wife wrote a cookbook together, and he. Almost exclusively, eat, exclusively eats for like fine cuisine. But he <laughs> so makes then he himself. goes to McDonald's. Yeah, and he goes to McDonald's. So that's what makes it funnier. It's just like I mean, to America. him, this is probably fine cuisine. Like, <laughs> what is oh. this? Uh, the entire do, nation of any, France. We don't have any you. listeners in France, do we? <laughs> no, no, we apologize. We do not want to create an international <laughs> incident. Hey, but Bobby, also, let's not let's not piss off all the French people. Also, if you They'll offer me some nuggies versus some escargot, I'm going to choose the nuggets, man. I'm going to be honest with you, France. All right. Bit of nuggets every time. Of first course, and foremost. of course. We, we. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean the French will get mad at you, and then they'll just wave the white oh, flag. These Ameri- these Americans oh don't gotten, know. They do not know food. They do not know culture. They've got great fries, French fries. Yeah, right, hey, right. And and yeah, mm-hmm. I mean romance mm-hmm. turning into a, an honorary American. He's trying to. He's well, driving he's his a, own RV. He's an honorary firefighter, right? After oh race gosh. two, look at that transition, Segway. boys. Oh, beep beep! Yeah, that 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 one slapped. Well done. Uh, I can't. But, but the thing I wanted to bring up was what must have been going through his head when he saw flames in the cockpit. That's again. one thing I want to bring up. PTSD. So, oh, God. I think it was. Did you, did you see the panic in his, the way he got out of the car? I would have. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's scary, and I hate saying this, but just like his way that he got out of the car and went to go get the fire extinguisher, like it was comedic to a sense. But there was also like the like he had like dues with fire, like yeah. he had to take this one out himself. He, he did. Like it was like you tried getting me last time, not this time. Not this time, fire. Well, I was to say yeah, yeah, fire got close last time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he got out. I did think the the grabbing the extinguisher himself was funny. Well, like, the I way was, like he had the steering wheel in his hand, and he put it down on the wing, and he's like looking around like. Uh, 
I need Can somebody, somebody get this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a problem no. here. Well, the, the thing, too, is, and I don't want to knock Formula One for this, but Formula One's safety response team is fine. Uh, they're nowhere near as good as the IndyCar safety response team, too. No. So, like, I think he thought, like, he was thinking Formula One mode where it's like, it could be forever. No, it's dude. Instant, and, yeah. and IndyCar's right on top of that. And the only reason they weren't quicker, even, is because until the brake fire started, uh, Romain was about to just, you know, unspin himself and carry on his merry way so there was no yellow flag up until that point right but yeah he's like give me the fire i like the the he's like gesturing at the thing like does nobody see this yeah fire? <laughs> <laughs> he grabs the extinguisher he gets it and then like um the safety crew i don't know if you caught the safety crew is like oh pushing God. him off out of the way they're like i thought they're they were like, gonna fight <laughs> i thought he was gonna use that extinguisher and just start swinging it roman we we got this it's okay it's okay roman yeah. you're in america now buddy we got this under control we got, we got it we know we know how to put off fires we make a lot of them <laughs> we, we do we do i mean this is michigan almost canada so not really the same but it's it's an american way you know I, I love how you're slipping into the northern accent right now. I do. Give away there, eh? Oh, you know. Oh, you know. Oh, don't you know that we have a, we're a good racing team out there? We know how to there. put out the we fire. We put up some fires out there. Maple syrup. Oh, well, let me tell you about the thing about good maple syrup, right? right. It's just not you really about, about the syrup. It's about the maple it'll tree. It right yeah, it'll knock it right out, really. <laughs> anyway. Can you guys tell I've played hockey a long time? Anyway, so uh, <laughs> Romain Groshan, though, uh, did you guys see the picture of him post-race? He put on Instagram where he's got the Detroit firefighter T-shirt with like a Detroit Lions logo on it, and he's like, "I care for my cars." <laughs> but uh, I, I did though, on a more serious note, feel a little bad for him though, because I could tell there was a bit of panic when you see the flames, and like you said, it was a little comedic because it, it's not the brake fire is something you get out of the car for, but it's not like this is I'm a, gonna die right. This isn't a huge threatening issue, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see him okay though <laughs> like me too yeah. and obviously not scarred about it you know he right. he probably had those yeah. flashes in the moment then he gets out and he's making yeah. jokes and he's put eating mcdonald's because he's like f it i'm just gonna go eat the burger well, one of the things one of the things he was very open Did about he say what he had i'm hoping it, it looked was like, like a, a I mean, big it just mac. no it was not a big mac no do you think he's a big mac kind of guy it no. was you couldn't see the meat so it was like a just a cheeseburger like, a like, mixed cheese like it was just it was mostly bread you know <laughs> yeah. with some ketchup and onion there may well, be that, meat in there i don't know well that's what mcdonald's usually is you're like <laughs> right. is that meat i don't know but <laughs> i should have went all the way with go, the big mac though that would have been great i, know, I was gonna go, let us know what the burger is you bastard <laughs> the big mac probably has we more calories that he eats on non-race days we have judgment to pass on you Based on your burger choice. He ordered a Royale with cheese or some, whatever the French version of Big Mac is. Oh, my God. So, uh, but uh, I, he did say, though, during his follow-up interview with F1 after his incident that, like, him and his wife, they were very open about talking to, like, counselors and psychiatrists. And they said, like, hey, one of the ways to cope with this is to completely own up to it. Don't be tough macho man. And just make fun of it. Have fun with it. Make jokes about it. And, uh... Uh, I, 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 you can see that in action now because he's such a good sport. He's kidding around on, on the Detroit firefighting, you know, yeah. squad. So it's good to see him kind of handle that in a healthy, healthy way. Yeah, and yeah, he started seeing. He's been pretty open about his mental health after uh, I think it was 2013 mm-hmm. where he wrecked four times in Monaco, and then he did the <sighs> yeah. big one at uh, Spa or not Spa. Uh, no, yeah, Spa. Yeah. And he went over the top of uh, Alonzo and nearly killed Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, We do have exciting Roman Grosjean news later. Yes. Um, 
But wrapping up our Roman Grosjean talks, I want to talk about the guy who's next on our little bullet point here. Yes. Um, because there's the not— The lucky man who not, wasn't so lucky. Yeah, there's there's not so much I want to talk about here so much as um, Scott Dixon on lap one. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Gotten in first lap incident. And no. you didn't stop me because you've never heard of that before. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Iceman gets caught in something. I was going to say, his luck finally ran out. The <laughs> the lucky shoehorn, uh, horseshoe that's oh, you know, shoe surgical. Horn. He's shoe got horn. Shoe uh, horn. Again, end of the day. Okay, horseshoe. Okay. If, if you're going to get me for Kimini Raikkonen, I'm getting you for shoehorn. <laughs> that's fine, because he shoehorned his way into an accident. And, yeah, he finally uh, wasn't able to get out of it. Uh, and uh, I'm, I was stunned. Little, little bit of problems. But you know what Scott Dixon does? Scott Dixon, even when he has a bad outing, right, recovers to what I think might honestly be his worst finish uh, this year. Well, no. What, the Indy 500 is his worst finish. I'm not thinking. One of his worst finishes this year, P7. Poor, the poor guy. He just... Shucks. Yeah, you got to feel for him. You got to feel for him. I mean, honestly, how long is he for that seat now? I mean, he's got to be got to be punted, right? You know, he's so old. You can just you can see the frailty. He's not mm. really effective anymore. He's going to SRX, right? That's where he end up. SRX, where yep. the average where the average age of the field is forty eight. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but uh, so yeah, so Scott Dixon, turn one incident. I I watched that and I was like, he what? <laughs> Wait, what was that name? That's not until later. Yeah, in the no, race. no, no. Yeah, no. He doesn't get. In, and then, say his luck wasn't too awesome in the 500 and then, and then recovers to P7. I'm like, now that's Scott Dixon. Okay, that, yeah, I know that. I, this is going to come as a shock, Tim. Yes. Poor guy's only in third in the championships. You got to feel for a guy. He's been fighting so long to find success, and he's just fought uphill the whole time. Uphill the whole time, and there's no way he can catch up this, uh, <laughs> this early in the season. It's over. Again, background, we don't have anything against Scott Dixon. He's just that guy. He's just so good that you have to razz him. And he's also like the nicest he's guy the in the world. He's the nicest guy you will ever meet, I swear to God. Nice, lucky, and like good at what he does. You're just like, I, I hate you, but I love you at the same time. <laughs> this is a really conflicting feeling. Uh, so, yeah. Well, we're I gonna, think that's jealousy. That's not and, jealousy. Jealousy would be unhealthy. This is a totally healthy relationship that Tim and I have, I have here. An, all right? I have an unhealthy <laughs> level of envy, yes. I do. I wish I had some of that luck in my life. Tim, sidebar? Sidebar. Okay. I was trying to tell him that um, this was this was a healthy issue, and you said something about it being unhealthy, and I just don't like you contradicting me That's okay. in the moment it's at okay. that point. You know, it's embarrassing for our guests. I prefer to be honest. You know, I, are you implying that I'm not honest? Well, I can't believe you'd say this, but I'm not. You know, I just you, no. You know what? I, I'm not. I'm not being subtle about it. I'm outright telling you, you're dishonest in that moment. All right. Well, we're gonna have to have a, a long talk on our friendship and where it stands. But uh, back to the show. What are you guys talking Alexander- about over there? <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Rossi, the Joker laugh. The development of the Joker laugh continues. I'm you, he's, it's gonna be so bad. <laughs> he's, he's getting. He's also in the uh, the just lap one incident. If anybody deserves like a run of luck, it's Alexander Rossi. Because <laughs> really and I love when they're so close in the rundown too. It's like the luckiest guy on the planet versus is the most unlucky on the planet. Yeah. Like, how, how much more can this guy take? <laughs> like, honestly, you got to be like, how many superstitious tchotchkes must be in his trailer at this point? Like, I would just, I would do anything to change the juju. <laughs> anything. He, he's going to start walking around with an actual horseshoe, like, necklace. And he's like, don't flip it upside down, yeah, man. It's got, it's got good luck. <laughs> yeah. What happens if it does get flipped upside down? How do you get more 
bad luck. <laughs> well, you get hurt. <laughs> I guess that's next step. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, the I, I, I don't want to predict that though. No, so no, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna lay off, off the record. That. Yeah, off say, the record. I'll uh, I'll be doing everything I can to change around Alexander Rossi's juju and hopefully yeah, for real. <laughs> throw out whatever uh, shaman things I can find to. Send good luck his way. Jesus. So, Tim, I am going to skip down a little bit because I don't want to talk about the end of the race quite yet, but I do want to talk about this guy whose initials are SF. You can. I'm going to let you get your sighing out of the way right now because there's a point I want to make. I'll get in and get out. No, so, you know go, what? go ahead. Uh, do your sighs. I, no, no. I'm not even going to sigh. I'm going to let you guys talk about it because I can't talk about him anymore. All I just right. can't do it. All right. All right. Turn your mic off then. Turn your mic off. Yeah. yeah Fine. Okay. All right. You turn. It, it's just us now. Okay. All right, well, you- he turned he turned my mic off because I I yeah, oh yeah, ouch yeah ouch I know right that's the re- is wow it, what is a relationship it, is a, yeah it's a vengeful move all right so uh, Santino Ferrucci uh, Santino Ferrucci not the most likable driver in the world all right um look I I don't want to talk about this but you have to he's got the high V sponsorship he got the high V sponsorship for the Indy 500 right uh. He runs P- P13, gets a bad block on Simon Pagino, uh, probably should have got a penalty for it. Look, here's what I want to say. Hey, Bobby, you can back me up here. Sponsorship is everything in racing. Yeah, if you don't have sponsors, then you don't have racing. That's, right. that's how that works for the driver. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's, I've never been like, like legit sponsored. There's been partners. Mm-hmm. So like Margay Racing was a partner of mine, and that's what led me to Racing Night for three years. Then I had Skip Barber as a partner, which led me to race a formula car. So if I if I don't represent them well and scratch their back, mm-hmm. then I don't get to do what I want to do. My thing is, is a full-time indie car sponsor is not to be taken lightly, and it's the kind of thing that mayhaps uh, he should be looking for. Because let me tell you, he had a decent showing in the Indy 500, finished pretty well. And he Mid- usually does. Yeah, uh, he fin- you know he had a decent-ish run today uh, or the other day in P13. Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan's looking to expand cars. He's already got that kind of part-time seat. And if High V is in for these two races, and they can make him into a full, uh, you know, he might want to focus his time not on NASCAR. But on getting a high V sponsorship because I think that's the best allocation of his time. Tim, how are you doing? Tim, no. All right. Well. Anyway. We're gonna to, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep moving here. <laughs> we're gonna edit that out yeah, later. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Tim, no. Yeah. My whole point though is that you know should uh, he, he he's not doing great in NASCAR. There's an opening in RLL. He probably should be focusing his time off the track on getting a high V sponsorship because uh, he's not the worst in terms of on-track pace driver there is. So, <laughs> going back, uh, Joseph Newgarden leads the most laps of this second race, 67 out of 70, but due to a, a late uh, caution, has to play defense, only defends up to P2. Colton Herta chases down uh, Joseph Newgarden, looks up, tries to get the move. It's actually Pato Award is your first winner, or your first repeat winner of the season. It was basically his award, Herta, Polo, and, uh, and Joseph Newgarden in the top four is a, is a fight to the finish. And I just want to give, first off, props to Pato Award. He absolutely dunked on Ray Hall, then dunked on Alex Polo. And then he uh, he puts it on Herta with six to, with six to go, three to go. He gets Newgarden charges to the front at the end, 
Pato Award is a stupid talent. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad that he like is over in IndyCar and not like floundering in the F1 ranks <laughs> right now or the F2 ranks. Because I, you can showcase his skill. He's clearly yeah. ferociously can fast. Can you imagine what the F1 opinion of him, the F1 fan base's opinion of him, if, oh. if he gets pulled up and, like, and and if he gets pulled up and he doesn't come through IndyCar, he just gets pulled up and he gets put on, like, an Alfa Romeo. Yeah. And he would they'd just be like, be they'd be like yeah, rot. this guy's like, this guy sucks. And it's like, no, dude, this is one of the most talented drivers, young drivers say, in our And generation. he can show it. He yeah. can showcase it in IndyCar. And, again, it goes back to the whole why you know there's a strong argument that indycar is the better racing product yeah because mm-hmm. you get stuff like this uh so pato award one of my favorite quotes i don't have it cut up here but one of my favorite quotes pato award says they're like you're first in points you lead the championship now can you believe it and he goes yes <laughs> yes i can <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah, bro. first first uh repeat winner so the uh the the streak only hit eight races ah shucks only Took eight races to get a repeat winner. Shuckety darns. Well, that's that awesome, happens. though. <laughs> like, honestly, though, like, honestly, the, it's, it's, it's seriously it's so run. cool. Not even, like, doing the joking around bit, though. Like, as a guy that, like, grew up primarily, like, I don't, I don't watch, I, can't, I will not sit down and watch a race, but I follow everything. Right. As a guy that has watched in the NASCAR world, Kyle Larson win, like, 177 races, what feels like in a row. Yeah. It's a nice, you know, fresh breath of air to see IndyCar have a product to where you can have this much different drivers succeed. And yeah. it's always wheel to wheel. It's it, always, you know, really great racing. They measure it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's so much fun to watch. Yeah. It's more fun to watch than almost anything else beyond, like, endurance racing. Endurance right. racing, maybe, like, MotoGP. Yeah. MotoGP has great battles. They do, but those scare the daylights out of me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they should. Um, I mean, it, but the, there MotoGP, was one, man, it, like, it is... I almost have a hard time watching it sometimes, man. Two yeah. wheels, too scary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, a great, um, that's a great saying. But uh, the 24 hours of the Nürburgring, um, that was amazing racing. I've watched one of those passes where I think it was a you're on board with a Ferrari and it's passing a Porsche and an Aston and they're like scything through, I don't even know what turn. Oh, it's and one I, of the, what? You don't have you to don't don't know have, the turn number? You don't have all 120 <laughs> turns yeah, memorized? Like, yeah. Well, I, you get like sections of the track where you're not in the forest, but you're out a little bit. He does know what it is. He just doesn't want to be, you know. Yeah, he, because it, was, he, it was turn number 73. He, I will, well, he can't Bobby, say Kotelbach Rahua. <laughs> all right. He can't say the Karachi on the Carousella. I. Are you speaking Italian or what German? What language is this? Okay, so I actually do speak German. So Quiddlebach or Hoa is is, uh, is German, right? Okay. But the carousel is uh, is the Caracciola carousel after a driver, okay. right? But carousel carousel in German is pronounced carousella. Oh. So it's Caracciola carousella, which sounds the entire way Italian. Anyway, yes, carry on. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, I'm wearing a Loki T-shirt. I'm not afraid to wave my nerd flag. Uh, I would totally cop to it if I knew the turn. But I, I've watched it at least 100 times, and I cannot tell you what happens. I don't know how they escaped wrecking. <laughs> it, it's uh, that good. But that, but that's good wheel-to-wheel racing in, good wheel-to-wheel in racing, endurance yeah. racing. Yeah. But IndyCar always provides a product like that. It, Every it, single uh, time I watch, I'm like, I, I'm buckled in for what I can only assume is going to be an awesome race. Unless you're racing in Texas. Looking at you, Texas Motor Speedway. Well, well. not everyone's perfect. <laughs> um, Some were perfect. But then they put PJ1 compound on their track. And anyway, so your top three right now. Pato Award, 299 points. Number two, 
Alex Polo, you want to take a stab at how many points he's got? Remember, Polo is at 299. I don't know. Do you want to you want to take a take a little stab there? 298 points Ooh. for Alex Polo. We were, we were told not to sleep on Polo. <laughs> that that was a Ryan thing. He was, oh, don't sleep on Alex Polo. Yeah, that Ooh. sounds like Ryan. <laughs> Scott Dixon in third place, 263 points. And then Newgarden, VK, surprisingly rocking up fifth. Um, maybe not surprising to some, but Renus VK, to me, great. Uh, number five, Pagino, six. Erickson, seven. Ray Hall, eight. Herda, nine. Takuma Sato, rounding out your top ten in the IndyCar standings. And again, this was you know two separate single points paying races. So between this and Indy, everything just changes in an instant, as it happens to do around the month of May and June. Moving on, we have uh, we have news. We have we big do. news. News. Oh, thank you for that. I don't have to put that sound effect no, in. Here. I just did it for you. <laughs> we do. We have a little bit of news. Uh, Roman Grosjean uh, said early before the start of the IndyCar season, in a completely understandable move. All right. Usually, I don't like it when drivers are like, "Good, the ovals are super, super dangerous." They are, but they're scarier, I think, than they are dangerous. If that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but after what he went through, he said, "I'm not going to do ovals in IndyCar." And I go, "You know what? After you were literally almost, you know, burned to death in Bahrain, you do you." The fact that you're even racing is a move that took, you know, some cojones, right? Some, <laughs> some, some stones. He says, I don't want to do ovals. IndyCar's oval schedule this year is Texas and Texas, like back-to-back, which is stupid high speed. The Indy 500, which is stupidest high speed. And Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway. Home of the Bomberito 500. April, August 21st? 21st. <laughs> 2021. You at least sound confident. If you're going to just say, Bobby, do you want to sell us on it? No, I don't. Okay, anyway. <laughs> that, that, if you would ask me like uh, two months ago, yeah. 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 Skip Barber's not paying me for that, though. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Take that part out so Bobby yeah, said. Yeah, I'll write down. No, you can <laughs> leave that in there. <laughs> Keith, Keith Scharf, if you're listening, I don't miss you. <laughs> I'll tell that to Keith. I'll see him tomorrow. <laughs> it is two for Tuesday. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, does that mean that you get four free races? <laughs> You know, I gotta put I gotta put that up there. <laughs> All right, guys, here's the deal. <laughs> uh, I'll tell I'll tell next time we have Curtis Francois on the show. Hashtag friend of the show. Uh, next time Curtis is he's on. a friend of the show. Friend of the show. He's, he's not even my friend. I don't even know if he he's knows not my our, name. He's not he's not my friend. He's a friend of the show. The show. The collective. show as yes. a collective. The, yeah. the, the show oh. is its own entity at this yeah. point. Yeah, it has its own spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, so uh, the Bobberito 500 is notably different in its complexion than a race at Texas or Indy. It's not a super speedway. There's two breaking points. Turn one is, I mean, tight enough to almost be a road course turn. Uh, turn two, you still have to decelerate for. The racing's good. So Romain Groshan hinted at the start of the season maybe he'd be open, and word came through on Saturday that he will race his first ever oval at Worldwide Technology Raceway. And I think that that's, I mean, we're all excited about it, but I think it's a good first race to have. Oh, yeah. Because As far as the ovals go, that's probably the least intimidating one. It's, and it's probably the most fun. It's the closest to, closest to a road course as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a road course, don't get me wrong. But if there's a place where you can, you know, outbreak a guy, maneuver yourself onto the inside, 
force your skills more immediately transfer over. My hope is that he does this and he gets his confidence built up because I do think that he could be a mean oval driver for sure. If, if yeah. because what what's the one thing he always has? He's always fast. He's maybe a little little accident prone. L- little crashy. Little crashy sometimes, right? And you know, it's an oval. If you can be really fast, <laughs> you yeah. can really extract that on an oval. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I have. I'm gonna put on tinfoil hat. Okay. Tinfoil Again, hat. Again, did we take it off from earlier? No. We had a few. Uh, oh my gosh, we've had so many tinfoil hats. We're gonna roll into the speculation sector. Got it. Okay. Speculation sector. All right. Romain Grosjean said, "I only want to do road courses." Right. And they said, "Okay." He saw what the Indy 500 means to other drivers on the grid, who he said he's now close with, he's friends with. He saw what it means, saw some of the pageantry, got it. Like he goes, son goes, I get it now. I understand. And I think that, I, I think, think he feels the call. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think this is actually a perfectly normal just, thing to think. Yeah. You just gave me chills saying that. <laughs> He goes, I get it. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, he got the bug. He got the right. bug almost immediately. The the pet, the grid's more welcoming. Uh, they're really passionate about racing mm-hmm. itself, he's and they a, welcomed him. And um, he's competitive in it. And he's for the for first time com- in how many years he's competitive in a series. I mean, how much? How good must that have felt to get a pole position? Yeah. After you know, however long, and you know, he was against K Mag this weekend, right? So I mean, to see his buddy there, and they're like, "Oh my God, this is awesome!" <laughs> you know, we're not floundering with a terrible Haas car that you know bends four degrees if it's hot. <laughs> you know, it's just ridiculous. So I'm sure that that yeah, that he probably caught that bug, and he is like, you know what? I want the full IndyCar experience, and the full IndyCar experience is not complete without the Indy 500. Right. Or, you know, doing something stupid at Texas Motor Speedway. So. Yeah. I, 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 I will. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I, doing something speedway, stupid at the Speedway is actually racing at the Speedway because they've ruined that track. My God. Yes, I know. My theory, too, is beyond catching the bug, right? You run, you know, they're going to add probably an oval, maybe two next season, right? They want to add ovals. They said that's their priority. You'd say, I'm going to run uh, 17. We'll take out four races, so 13. I'm going to run 13 to 17 races. Next year, okay, I'm going to run 13 to 17 races this year, right? If he's not crashy, right, he's had some bad luck in Detroit. We know that. He's had some bad luck. But he's learning, and he is properly quick. If he runs clean, he's a top 10 finisher. And I think consistently, it's more like spinning stuff it's not like going into the wall like you right. did in f1 right it's, it's a lot more measured mm-hmm. and he's you know being cautious with it which makes sense yeah. because it's a brand new car and it's a it's a surface that is in detroit and st pete both kicking you to the curb you know rattling your teeth around can't think or see straight right he maybe throws some ovals in next year runs a full schedule mm-hmm. with the talent he has on street and road courses, he, all he needs is a couple respectable oval finishes. He doesn't need to win an oval race. He just needs to hold his own. You could be looking at a guy who all of a sudden is, you know, maybe in the top 10 in terms of championship finishers. He knows he can smell good results coming 
at the end of the year and not just running a half schedule. Yeah, he might be in, he might actually make a championship run. Make a championship run. I don't think he's going to take it to Pato Award, Alex Pillow, and heaven forbid Scott Dixon. But, <laughs> but it would be a run nonetheless. It would be a run. He'll be up yeah. there. And, you know, if you can get up in the mix with guys like Simon Pagino, Newgarden, Herda, yeah. you can be, you can make some money. You can get a name for yourself. You can find success where you probably didn't have it earlier. And IndyCar seems to allow drivers to age well. So it does. You know, you can race in this for a long time. Looking at you, Scott Dixon, who's 42 <laughs> years old. Oh, my gosh. So you think the gateway is going to determine His what future. he does next year? I think it does. I think he... I think Gateway he w- is, is the gateway to his future. Uh, oh, did you just put up our... No, we can't do that because it's the Belle Isle GP. I was going to put, you know, this episode named the gateway to our future, but it's the Belle Isle GP, oh. so... Yeah, okay, well, there's there's no, your... You can still say, we'll, we'll write that down. <laughs> the gateway right. to, gateway that, to, road, to Grosjean's future. Right, so, put that in the so diary. The, 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 the title is Bomberito 500. <laughs> gateway to road, Grosjean's gateway. future. No, Bomberito Automotive Group 500. We're just gonna write, I'm just writing this down, so it's going to be the bag 500. Yeah. Bag. Yeah. Gateway to his Dear future. Dear Bomberito, thank you for always putting on an Grosjean. awesome party. Tim, you need to talk about friendship. Okay. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that, but <laughs> love you, but no. Well, I know I'm going to I'm going to piss the therapist off this time. You really are. Yep. You really are. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up. We have kind of a long show for you today, but uh, you know what? It was two races. So next week, Tim, I know you're excited. Please try and contain your excitement, Tim. I I you I can first, see it is the, the first, hype in your eyes. It's the first of the triple header. First of the triple header. And we go out to of the best track and the best track of the triple header. But, um, but why do they why do they call it go to Styria first and not just call it the Austrian Grand Prix first? I, I don't get it. I don't know. Don't ask me to make sense of Formula One. Here's what Formula One did. All right, is they can they they looked at the schedule and they said we can do things the normal way or we can do things the most complicated way that confuses people for no particular reason. Well, and that they, sounds like and, fun. And they said and they said, by God, have you seen? The way we labeled tire compounds for over the last 20 to 25 years, we're going to choose the most complicated, the needlessly complicated and ridiculous way they've, to name this. And they've created an entire subculture in racing fans with the tire wonks. The guys that are just like, oh, did you know that they had the C3 compound? That, oh, my God. <laughs> Shut up. You, you're the worst type of fan. You know who the best type of fan is? Lewis Hamilton tells me the best type of fans are in <laughs> France. His. Are in France. Oh god! All right. I <laughs> hate this track Paul so Ricard, much. You, the you best always... track on the Formula One calendar. So pleasing to the eye, Tim. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go to sleep. It looks like the thing that you're gonna it, you go know, to sleep because yes. you've closed your eyes the entire race because you don't want to look at the. I runoff. don't want to get sick. <laughs> I'm gonna be ill. And you know. And you're right. You make the joke every year. They had how many different layouts that they could have chosen from? It's legitimately over 150. And they chose the worst one. (laughs) How did you manage that? you don't know that. They could have had several other bad ones as well. No. Equally as bad. I was going to say, you know know how I know it's the worst one? How? Because they're all awful. (laughs) (laughs) They're all equally dog do. The the thing F1 needs to do is they need to, there's that... uh, so they have the Mistral straight on the back that's like two something kilometers, right? Yeah. And that one's like, you can't have a straight longer than 1.2 kilometers. What they need to do is they need to be like, 
unless you're France in the rule book, <laughs> and they just need to take the chicane out and give you like, all right, here's a two kilometer straight into a high speed right hander. All right, you want to throw a DRS? Congratulations, that's like one you know entire mile and a, like in a tenth and a quarter of DRS straight. Have at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert. Mercedes is gonna win. What? Yes. Tim. Tim. I'm just Tim. saying we're going back to purpose-built tracks. You, Mercedes you, is going to win. That's just an end Now, of it. Tim, you told me that Mercedes was going to win in Baku. No, I said that this is going to be interesting in Baku. Oh, dang it. I said Mercedes. Yeah, this is, that was you. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying Baku delivered. <sighs> hey, you know what's going to deliver? <laughs> France will not. France is going to deliver like Carl Malone, like the postman. Always delivers every single day. France. It's going Next to deliver week. me a nap. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was going to sleep. Bobby. Yeah, he's already doing, in France. Yeah, he's already in France. Uh, where can people find you? On the YouTubes, on the Twitters, on the you, wherever. You can, you can look up my name. Okay. Bobby Krug. K-R-U-G. K-R-U-G. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, ATA Network. Uh, good luck with your therapist. I, I thank you. So on that bombshell, yes, Tim, good luck you with and your I therapist. have. I'm not going. Tim, no.